Jim, may I slide number 11, please? I'd like to kind of back you into, this is where we're gonna hopefully go in a few minutes, and I'd like to invite you, if you'd be willing, to talk with some people around you around this question. Where is God's mysterious work in my life causing me to exercise faith? Where in my life have I been invited or pushed or guided to exercise faith? And let me just say, so yesterday afternoon I sat over here and I just went through that. And so I could say to you that I have been praying for one thing since 2003. I felt strongly impressed. The Lord impressed this into my heart. This is what I need to pray for. So for 18 years I have prayed and there has been not a drop of response from heaven. So I thought I was asked to pray for this and I have been praying and I have been praying and I have been praying and there's no answer. So it's a mystery to me. Well, then I went through a number of other things and I had 12 different things that I have been praying for, believing for, longing for, and I'm still waiting. So in that is the absolute need to exercise faith. Now, we, I just, I don't know if you follow the sequence of songs that we just went through. We sang about the Son of Heaven, Jesus and his love, we sang about how he loves, the song that was so specifically used when uh, the Van Vark family lost their son. It was so embedded in our church's family. We sang, good, good father, oh, how he loves, oh, how he loves, and my Jesus, I love thee. We have all this, we just sang a bunch of songs about love. But here's my question for you. Do you actually feel loved, believed you're loved by God? We don't exercise faith in a concept we don't choose to trust a thing. Let me give you an example. One of our grandsons, when he was young, just loved to climb everything. So one week we were babysitting in, in, in uh, I remember what city it was, and there was a, a place to play, and he, just a little adventurous guy, he just started climbing this big wall of bricks, and pretty soon he was about, oh, 15, 16 feet up in the air. And all of a sudden he looked and thought, whoa, this, this little guy, right? And I could see his little mind working, how am I going to get down here? How? So I saw it, so I walked over. So I'm about 10, 12, 15 feet below him. And I said, jump to Grandpa. And I just watched him. I just, you know, I can't, but I'm imagining. I could just see him going. You could just see the internal struggle. Do I dare actually jump? Can I trust Grandpa to catch me? Are you following me? In so much of life, we're being asked to trust the mysterious ways of God. And we don't understand. Amen? So all through Ecclesiastes, you've had this phrase, below the sun, above the sun. And one of the things you've been watching, the comparisons are, below the sun is one perspective. So a below the sun perspective for me, let's pretend I'm, I'm my little grandson, Below the sun, my grandpa's not going to catch me. Below the sun, I can't trust grandpa to catch me. Because I don't know if he's going to do it or not. But if I have above the sun, a different perspective, I'll jump because I know my grandpa will catch me. Now watch. What I'm observing for many of us is we, we come to church, we say this, do the church thing, and we might read our Bibles, read Jesus Calling, and, and different things. All good. But how do we develop a trust in the person 
we sing about on Sundays so that when you find mysterious things in your life, you can still choose to trust. So I'm going to push into this. Now, this passage, you're going to think, what in the world is he talking about in this passage? Could you open your Bibles to chapter 11? I don't have the page numbers. Page, get this, page 666. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> but I'm going to read it as written. And this is a difficult passage for, for translators to translate for a whole number of reasons. So I'm going to read it as written. And then I'm going to take you through a translation with it like I did a couple weeks ago. So chapter 11, verse 1, hear the words of the Lord. Chapter 11, verse 1, ship your grain across the sea, and after many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour water on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so we cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Now, what in the world does it have to do with faith? Let me take you through it now. Jim, starting at slide number three. Let me read the verse, and then I'm gonna look. here's my translation. 11.1. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. This comes from the message with some adaptation. So what he's saying is, be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity, acts of love, yields high returns. How much faith does it cost? Does it, do we need to be generous? So, the, so I'm, this is not primarily about money. So, but the average American Christian leaves more money in tips than she or he gives to the work of Christ anywhere in the world or their home church. The average American Christian gives 1.2% of whatever money they earn to Jesus. 1.2%. So, what that says to me, if that's me, I'm not very generous. I'm probably not investing in the acts of charity which might affect others and the world. I don't recognize that charity brings a higher return because I'm focusing under the sun. And I'm selfish. Remember what I said three weeks ago? The primary focus, is this fair? The primary focus for our living is me. It's us. How does it affect me? Does it make me happy? How am I doing? So what he says now in the first verse, which makes no sense, let me see something funny. The translation in the King James is this. Uh, ship your, uh, toss your bread across the waters. You know how they translated that in the 15th century? Brew your own beer. <laughs> but what he's really talking about is a generous heart. Now Watch. It takes faith in someone to be generous. If I am generous of spirit, am I generous in forgiveness? If I am generous in acceptance, 
there has to be a willingness for me to exercise faith that whatever I offer, whether you receive it or not, is honoring to a good, good father? Or, oh Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine? So the question I'm poking at today is, all, all through this time, are we willing to take risks of faith? So in verse 1, he's talking about money. But there's going to go a different direction. Look at verse 2. In verse 2, he says, Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You don't know what disaster may come upon the land. So next one, please, Jim. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others because this could be your last day. Remember, one of the interesting things about Ecclesiastes, so six different times in the passage, what he keeps poking on is embrace the day. Today. Live your life today. Remember the movie Braveheart? There's a line, I don't know if I have it quite right. Princess Isabella says to, to William Wallace, you're going to die a painful death. It's going to be terrible. Remember his response? All men, will, all men will die. Very few men live. And many of us go through life not really living. And what Ecclesiastes is saying, in life here, embrace the day. Relationships today. A meal today. Love today. Today, do your job well today. Why? Because it is a trusting that God will take whatever we are and whatever we do, and that is intended to be a good, good gift. So watch, just watch, I'm gonna go back to money. It's so easy to think the more money I make and the more I invest and the more I have, I'm gonna be happy. Well, you know all the studies. When I did the series on the Sermon on the Mount, Voluminous studies. What level of income is the highest happiness level in the world? $70,000. People who earn $70,000 are happier than people who earn $5 million, $10 million, $50 million, and they're happier than people who earn less and less and less. $70,000. But in our American culture, it's just more and more and more. And so he says, it's an act of faith. Don't Hoard. What you have, share. Jason Henry taught me this at the well some, some years ago. The poorest people, if they have something, they share it. You, you know this whole story, right? In the inner cities, and I don't mean this is not at all intended to be a racial thing at all, because this is true of all people groups. But if you go to the inner cities of America where education levels are not as high, the verbs are always present tense. I is, I does, I goes. Why? Because if you don't have anything, you live in the present tense. And what you find if you travel the world, the poorest people, Tim can tell you this, Tim Brand, Tim has told me stories in Haiti. He's gone to Haiti and these people have nothing. They'll take whatever they have and they'll get put it all to the, to the gift of the visitor. They have nothing. Whatever they have, they give. And Tim talks about the, the level of joy in a people whose world is destroyed, whose country is in shambles, whose political system is a wreck. And you see this, why? They don't hoard their goods. They spread them around. They want to be a blessing. So, but that takes faith. It takes faith. So 
So if we're living under the sun, if I just got to, I just got to, uh, oh, I don't do it. Look, look at verse three. Let's go to verse three. Verse three reads, if the clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. And the translation is, when the clouds are full of water, it rains. When the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. So don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. Don't stare at your phone. Get on with life. Six, seven hours. And all around, there are opportunities to be the hands of Jesus, to be the feet of Jesus, to be the heart of Jesus. And so what he's saying, but that takes faith. It takes fear, FOMO, fear of missing out. It takes faith to say, I'm going to miss out. It takes faith to say, I'm not going to receive this and this and this and that. It takes faith. It takes trust. But now, come, come back, let me push. But who's your God? What is your perception, understanding of God? Yesterday, uh, this recently, I went to a, another place, another city, and um, the person I was spent was asked to visit with, and this is, this is not intended to be gender-specific. This is the story. In this particular family system, for four generations, the women battle enormous levels of anxiety, and they have specific phobias. Four generations. And it's passed on generationally. As an aside, brain research is telling us, so the, the scriptures say the sins of the fathers get passed down third, fourth generations. Brain re research is telling us that things are embedded in DNA that are passed generationally in terms of thinking patterns and those kinds of things. So four generations. The person who I'm spending time with is in a really difficult place. So I listened for about an hour and I said, can I ask you a question? I said, tell me, when you pray, who do you pray to? What's, give, me, give me your image. What is the image of the person you're praying with, conversation with? And there was really nothing expressed. The, the right words were spoken and from the heart. But, and so I just said, so let me just tell you what, uh, just where I am right now. So I'm talking about you got to have faith in someone. So since Kirk has died for three years and nine months, my image is a good shepherd. Let me walk you through that real quick. In the earliest church, the fish was not the primary descriptor of the church, of Christians. The first descriptor was a sheep, was a shepherd. And in the Old Testament, God is described by the people of Israel as a shepherd. The purpose of a shepherd was threefold, to guide, to protect, and to provide. And the text of the Old Testament says sometimes the shepherd would stand behind his sheep to gently push them forward. Sometimes the shepherd was side by side with the sheep. God, and sometimes the shepherd was walking ahead. Three different Hebrew words, Hagah, Hanan, another one, three of them. So I said this with this person I'm with this weekend. My image is a good, good shepherd. So when I have to exercise faith, I'm exercising faith in someone who I believe guides, protects, and provides. So when my little grandson is going to jump 12, 14 feet, his grandpa guides, protects, and provides. 
That's the person I am praying to and with. I am exercising faith in someone. Let me stop. What is your image of your God? Because it's difficult to exercise faith in a thing, in a concept. Let's go on real quick. Verse 4 and 5, or 13 and 4. Let's go on to 5, please, Jim. Verse 5. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So, the translation, gestures will never understand the mystery of life forming in a pregnant woman, so will never understand the mystery of God at work and what he's doing. We don't understand. Someone else, on, I went to Des Moines to see this person, I went to see this person, then I went to see this person. So this person, the third person, uh, is in a really difficult health place, really difficult. And um, in the midst of great loss and pain, physical pain, we had this long conversation. So the person says, no, you just read scripture to me. So I just began to read scripture over. And I read some scripture. And then I said to her, so what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What's the Spirit saying to you? And she said to me, I don't understand the ways of God. She said to me, do you have a passage that you go to when you don't understand the ways of God? I said, I do. Would you open your Bibles to Isaiah 55? Two verses, Isaiah 55. So when this, when this woman was asking me this question, verses eight and nine, let me give you a little context. So go back to the screen, please, when you can. Just as we'll never understand the mystery of life forming in a pregnant woman, so we'll never understand the mystery at work and all that God does. So after Kirk died, March 20, 115, we pulled all the plugs, he dies. We go back to our car, we're driving back to Pell. I'm driving down 80. And I said to Lane, read me Psalm 55, verses eight and nine. I don't understand the mystery of what God's doing. So this is what Lane read to me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your way, my ways, your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Don't understand. But I trust the my good shepherd. Now, watch again, all the word of Ecclesiastes. Am I living below the sun or above the sun? If I'm living below the sun, in the words of Job's wife, Job, God's screwing you over. So curse God and die. That's living below the sun. Living above the sun, what did Job say? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Below the sun, above the sun. It takes faith to say, Lord, help me to live above the sun. Let's go verse six. Verse six, back to Ecclesiastes 11. Sow your seed in the morning and evening, let your hands not be idle. If you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And my translation from the message was some adaptation. Go to work in the morning and stick to it till the evening without watching the clock. You never know from moment to moment how your work will turn out in the end. 
stay-at-home moms, executive, farmer, plumber, teacher, student, do your best. So all to say, slide eight, here's my summary of all I just said to you. We choose fate, faith when we admit three things. We do not know how to predict the future. We don't know. We choose faith when we do not, we, we do not know how to do that which only God can acknowledge it. So here's my sentence for you. He talks about babies. Let's listen to the sentence. Listen to the sentence. Okay, Eric, get some water. You good? I'll share with you. Good to go. Um, humans manage, God makes. So a farmer can drop a seed in the ground, manages the soil, but God has to send the rain. God has to prepare the soil. God has to prepare the climate. A man and a woman can conceive a baby. How in the world does that work? How can two cells create a person? God makes the baby, and mom and dad manage the baby. We cannot do what only God can do. Now watch. When I use the word hevel over these past weeks, hevel, and we translate NIV is, is meaningless, and I've been saying that's not the best translation, in my opinion. We're using vapor. So life is vapor. So what is, how am I using synonyms around hevel? Unmanageable, uncontrollable, ungovernable, inexplicable. We don't know. And this is where faith comes in. We have to fight for faith. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Some translations say faith or faithfulness. Faith is like a muscle. The more we exercise faith, the stronger the muscle becomes. So you remember what I said to you two weeks ago? Ecclesiastes is saying, two weeks ago I said, the intent, remember we talked about death and then we talked uncertainty, the whole thing? All the hurt, the pain, the sorrows, the losses of life, listen to me now, listen to me, are intended to make you homesick for heaven. If you're living below the sun, you say, this just stinks, it stinks, and it does. Yes, it does. But the intent is to draw our hearts to where we'll live forever. And then I said in the same Sunday, and the pleasures of life, a good meal, great relationships, deep, intimate connections, is a longing for heaven. I read a book yesterday by a lady named M-O-A-I-K-E-N. I can't remember the title of it. She was a, a, a person who lived a very difficult life and lots of sexual pain. And out of that, she's written three books. Her third book, is she describes how physical sexual intimacy between a husband and wife is fundamentally a, an experience of what is to come with all people in the new heaven and new earth. Now, I want you to think that one through a little bit. The level of intimacy that a husband and wife share in marriage is a precursor for what is to come. So what we have to keep saying to ourselves is, 
All the hurts, the pains, the losses of life are making me homesick for heaven. And the good gifts of life, which we choose and embrace, are calling us to be homesick for heaven. Our God, our loving, good, good Father is trying to say, I want you to come home. I want you to come home. This is a crude analogy, but I, I kind of like it. Imagine going to a library and you're watching the librarian work back in the day when they had books in libraries. And the librarian walks over to a shelf and takes the book off a shelf and gives it to a patron. In my mind's eye, at the right time, and this, is a, this comes out of John 14, 1 through 6, your good, good father comes to you and takes you off the shelf of this life. It's time to come home. Let's read the book together in a new heaven and new earth. And we have to exercise faith. Real quick, and then that conversation. Oh boy, going too long. Uh, number nine, real fast, I'm just gonna rip through this. So what I'm asking you to do is to consider an eternal ROI, return on investment. We exercise faith by using our resources wisely. Whatever God gives you, use wisely. To share generously. To embrace the day. Remember that all is gift, not gain. So I've been saying this consistently for 10 weeks. It's a summary. But now my request for, for conversation. Slide number 11, please, Jim. So could I invite you for a couple minutes? I've been babbling at you, hopefully with you for a little bit. Could you, if you're comfortable, if it works for you, where, where is God's mysterious work in your life which is causing you to exercise faith? How are you being stretched to trust when you don't understand what in the world's going on? Okay? On your marks, get set, go. If you don't want to do it, you don't need to. If you want to, go for it, please. Thank you so much. A um, couple of people, a couple of responses, then I want to push a little farther into this. Anybody want to just share something that we could all be blessed by? Where's God mysteriously at work? Perhaps in you, but perhaps in other situations. Anyone? I know it's a crazy, awkward question, but... Okay, let's talk about this exercising of faith a little bit. 
So I'm gonna, let me, may I, may I be a, a grandpa here? You're gonna have to make choices to create rhythms to develop a love relationship with God. You have to. So one of the people I was with this week, a, a brilliant person in many ways, but one of the things that we shared in conversation is, um, I'll give you a word picture. I'll give you a word picture. Excuse me. I'll tell you a story. Henri Nouwen, a famous Christian writer, was a man who wrote a lot about the inner life, and did lots of conversations, and helped a lot of people. A good friend went to a spiritual retreat with him, and at the retreat, they were supposed to go to a time of prayer. And as he sat next to Henri Nouwen, the spiritual contemplative pastor, he noticed this. And as the half hour went on, it just got faster and faster. This is a guy who speaks to thousands of people and writes books about the quiet inner life. And the people, his friend just wrote and said, a jig jiggling legs reflect a jiggling heart. So how long does it take to quiet down? So we're going to have to figure out, this is why Sabbath keeping is so important. We have to figure out ways, rhythms, to be, to be connected with the one who loves us the most. And you have to be intentional. So I have a friend who says to me, I need to go, go work out, and I need to work out, and I have a membership at a gym. How often have I been there? But I have a membership, and I've thought about it. Not very much. <laughs> but, if I, but if I want to be healthy and strong, I need to put in my week rhythms for health. Why do we not need that with Jesus? Just show up and, here I am! Aren't you glad I'm here? Good, good father! Well, I don't believe it, but good, good father! when what he wants is relationship. So however you're wired, listen now, choose intentional patterns and rhythms. I have a friend who just loves creation. His best time with the Lord is walking outside. Get a, one Bible verse. The Lord is my shepherd and go walk. Read pray, sing, dance. I have a friend who's a beautiful, beautiful dancer. When she wants to connect with the Lord, she dances to the Lord. And her heart just sings. And she does that on a regular basis. If it's to quilt, it's to paint. Find ways, intentional ways, listen, to grow the depth of relationship. Why? So that when you are on a mysterious mountain and you need to jump, you have to trust the one you're jumping into his arms. And I'm observing, I'll be honest with you, many of us don't trust like that. Am I speaking the truth? And so we're invited to go deeper and deeper and deeper. So action steps, and then we're gonna have a last song.
So can I just remind you, thank you for worshiping. Please continue to come back and worship because I don't know if you felt it, about four minutes, I was watching the clock. Right before we went to a conversation, in this room, we went just like this. There were no cries, no coughs, no one moving out of the room. We recentered. And something happens in corporate worship with God's people when we gather, and there are moments when together we recenter, which allows us to be refilled, which then allows us to flourish. So, could you sometime this week enjoy a Sabbath meal? Perhaps read and reflect upon Ecclesiastes 1 through 11, 1 through 6, and bless another. Let's pray. Lord, we. We say we know you want a deep relationship with us. And so would you help each one of us, all of us, young and old, boys and girls, men and women, to take steps into the depth of relationship, which would allow us to trust. We long to trust, but we're afraid to trust. Remind us, Lord, who you are. Remind us of the hymns of heaven. That what is coming is better, more beautiful, more meaningful than what we can hope or think or imagine. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you. And we pray you'd lead us as our good shepherd. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.